Nelson Mandela had so much compassion for his brothers and sisters. People don't realize it's about the Beatles, that they knew they were brilliant. You saw thousands of people along the rail line just standing there to say goodbye to Bobby Kennedy. One story in every human being that defines who you are. Do we film on a volcano that's just about to explode? But the reason this mail patch has been astoundingly successful is because there are pictures of rabbits on the envelope. I mean, I remember it so well where, you know, I was like, hello, hi, Susie, hi, it's LD. I was like, oh, hi, Lyle, what's up? I mean, I think there's something about chaos, right? It either, either you run from it or you run towards it. And for me, there was really this in instance of wanting to run towards it. Welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is Jordana Abraham, who's one of the three founders of Betches. And we're really so pleased to get a chance to have you here, Jordana. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Don't be easy. Don't be ugly. No. And drink iced coffee. That's the game plan if you want to be a betch, which rhymes with fetch, not to be confused <laughs> with the other. All right. Jordana Abrams, Samantha Fishbein, and Aileen Cooperman are the 20-something creators of the wildly successful yet very controversial blog. It's called Betches love this. They're also the authors of <laughs> Nice is just a place in France. France. <laughs> <laughs> basically Although that's everything. nice. But anyway, hey, guys. hi, ladies. Hey, hey. Hi. All right, so let's go back to the Cornell campus. Let's do it. And <laughs> it's almost ten years now. Right? Yeah, you started 2011. It'll be yeah, it'll be ten years in February uh, 2021. Hi, Betches. This episode of Betches Love This is all about studying abroad. Don't know what studying abroad is? Studying abroad is an extended vacation funded by parents for their students to become culturally immersed and globally educated. In simpler terms, studying abroad is an excuse to party all over Europe. And boy, I do miss it. An itinerary for my day in Europe. Wake up at noon, go to the local pub, and get hammered by 2 p.m. Seriously, it was beautiful. That was the best part about studying abroad. And you only have classes three times a week, so the rest of the time is used to experience true Europe. I shopped, I smoked weed. That explains a lot. And I met tons of other betches who love to party, just like me. It was sort of a play off of, um, have you heard of that, that book stuff white people like? Yes. Which was like, it's like a funny satirical list of like stuff white people like. And I remember we loved that book. And um, there, there was all, it was also, it was like a mix of so many pop culture things happening at the same time that we were kind of reacting to. There was also Tucker Max was really big at the time who wrote, um, I hope they serve beer in hell. And there was this whole like frat tire culture around kind of like fratty guys. And we thought, you know, there's a, there's a female counterpart to that that no one's really writing about that's like not necessarily the most like proper composed woman. Um, and she doesn't really have a voice out there and um, we think we can represent her. So we kind of just started a list of like five things. It was sort of a joke. Um, we were just really messing around and we put it on a WordPress blog um, and we put it on one person's Facebook wall and it went like pretty viral from there. And we got people, we were just kept, I remember we were sitting in our apartment just looking at, um, at the bottom of WordPress used to give you like a, a total number of like page hits. And we just watched the number go up and up and up. And it was like very surreal. It was very cool. At what point did you all realize, Hey, we're really on to something here. Um, I think, um, about a month and a half after we started it, we had been updating relatively 
frequently. And we got an email from, she was like a producer in Hollywood who was like, I think that, you know, it was a, the, the website started as just like a list of things that Betches like. So it was like everything from like pre-games to diets to, to, um, you know, not keeping up with the news at the time. Um, and she, she was like, my daughter showed me this. I think it could make like a great, like 30 minute sitcom or something like that. That actually never wound up panning out, but just the email that someone from like a legitimate, um, someone who like had clout and was, and was legitimate thought that it was a cool idea, I think made us think that, um, you know, this could be something that's real. This could be something maybe we should actually do this instead of getting a real job since none of us had them at the time. Um, so that was definitely like the first thing that was like, maybe we should, maybe this, maybe we're onto something. And then shortly after that, someone put us in touch with an agent, um, a book agent who helped us kind of create this book proposal. And then we sold it as a, um, we sold it as a book to Simon and Schuster. The risk of really starting this other thing was like very low. We didn't have any, um, we didn't have any kids to support. We like, could move back in with our parents for a little bit. So we all lived at home the year after college because we weren't really making any money or anything in the beginning. So it really allowed us to kind of like focus on just making the website really strong, making a really cool book. Um, and then I think the Simon and Schuster thing kind of like legitimized it in our eyes. Cause I mean, we were kind of like, Oh, this is again, this is a legitimate company that that is going to publish a book of things that we're saying. Um, so this sounds a lot better than getting a real job. Right. And yeah. you must have had some pretty uh, surreal conversations, the three of you, you know, when you got that note from the Hollywood agent, Simon and Schuster, obviously a huge player. That must have been really exciting for you. Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely really, really cool just to think that um, something that we started as like a, as a joke, um, never really meaning to be like a business was really resonated with so many people. I remember we would get emails. We had an email set up linked to the blog and we get emails from people, from girls in like Louisiana or even from like the UK or Canada who were like, Oh, I feel like my, my, like my best friend wrote this or my neighbor wrote this, or I know the person who wrote this and they obviously didn't, but it, we kind of thought we were just describing girls who were, you know, exactly like us, like Long Island Jewish girls. Um, but it turns out we had sort of a, a wider connection, which was really cool to think that like the things that we thought were unique that we were thinking were, were thought being thought by women across the country. Can I shower? What's the point? Maybe I should get up and get some coffee. No, I'll just seamless it. Okay, I guess I have to open Slack. Oh my God, just because I'm active on Slack doesn't mean that you can Slack me. Sounds good, Karen. Is that too early to smoke weed? Can I smoke weed out of Jess's hookah? Should I eat some pita chips? Why is my boss calling me? Hello? Uh-huh. End of day, no problem. Didn't say which day. Oh my God, I walk away for three hours and I get two emails. This workplace is toxic. Capitalism. Is there a new Real Housewives episode? I'll just watch one episode, then I'll get right back to work. You know what, I can work and watch one more episode at the same time. Maybe I should go get some pretzels. Ooh, and a seltzer so I can be fancy. Huh, that rat has a piece of pizza. I should do some work. I'm supposed to be working. Is that the guy who ghosted me in 2013? Am I allowed to expense now? And if you actually look at the data for Q4, wait, is this a video conference? Oh my God. Should I try on all my clothes right now? What a day. It's gotta be five o'clock. Huh, 11.30 a.m. I'm not your target demo, but I like Betches because it's funny, you know, and I love how irreverent you are. Oh, thank you. You know, did you worry early on about that New York 
you know, Jewish humor translating in other places. I know when, you know, when Jerry Seinfeld, when you see interviews with him and they talked about, you know, the earliest days of Seinfeld, you know, will it play in Iowa? Will it play in the Midwest? Did you think about that? Um, at first when we did, when we were working on it, we didn't think about it at all. We were just describing ourselves and it was for our friends and the people that we knew and the people, you know, on our campus. That was like all, that was pretty much as far as our worldview went. Um, obviously as, as we've gotten older, as the company's gotten more professional, more established, we, that's a huge thing that we think about, you know, we don't, we try not, we try to make content that can be relatable, um, to people across the country and across the world. And we we're trying to expand our reach. And that, that means, uh, you know, hiring a more diverse staff, having people to represent voices from, you know, people who are not exactly just like us. But I do think that core fetchiness, which is really just like an attitude is still runs through everything we do, but we try to talk about topics that wouldn't just be relevant to people who are exactly like us more so now than we did before. Gotcha. That's great. So to get it off the ground, you all invested, was it about $1,500? Yes. We each, um, I remember my, uh, one of my co-founders, grandfathers just like took us, we went to, he was like, meet me at Chase and bring $1,500. Um, from our parents. So it wasn't even really our money. Um, our parents gave us each $1,500 and we set up a, a bank account and that was like all the money we had. And we used it to just like start some back end form of making our own website. And we were getting, we were making like a tiny little bit of money off of advertising in the beginning and then wound up growing it to what it is now. seems like you've always sort of kept that notion of saying what people are thinking, but no one's willing to say aloud, but you are. Yeah. That's always been like the thing that we've, that we've tried to do consistently. That's what we were doing in the beginning when we were kind of like, there's again, there's this girl that's not being represented that no one really like speaks for that all the stuff that we see in like the media and magazines is really just kind of like a little condescending or a little cheesy. And like, we just wanted something that was more real that described us and so we made it. Okay, now that we've all calmed down and clarified that the video has been deleted, we're ready to start. Look, I'm sorry I threatened your life, but in a way you kind of threatened mine too. I mean, if that video had been posted, all my followers would know I'm not in Istanbul. Okay, you also broke my necklace. Yeah, and I apologized. Don't be a bitch. Nikki, welcome to Influencer Support Group. We're happy to have you. A uh, first rule, no phones. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No problem, but let's get those phones out of our hands, right? We want to disconnect from the world. Thank you, Kevin. So we can, thank you, connect to each other in person. Why don't we introduce ourselves to Nikki? I'll start. So we have a lot of successes to talk about, but I'd love to go back and talk about some of the things that you tried or thought was a good idea, you know, early on that didn't work. Sure. Um, so when we first started, we started, um, we started a preliminarily like a shop. We were like, we have this big fan base. People love the content. Let's start a shop. But we didn't really like know how to get that completely off the ground. So we worked with a company, um, that would kind of like do the designs and give like, we gave them the taglines, but we, they did the designs and it didn't really work out because we didn't really have that much like creative control over like the look of the shirts and how they um, 
and how they came out and how they fit and how they were cut. And so like the, the products themselves, we weren't that excited about. So we weren't that excited to promote them. Um, so that didn't do well. And that we, everything we've done, um, that what didn't work out, we really learned a lot from. So from that, we learned like, if we're going to do a shop, we need to like be in total control of like, you know, the whole, everything from like the cut and the look of it to what it says to the design to everything. Great. And when you make a decision to, you know, go into a different vertical, what, you know, do you, is it because you just think it's up your alley? Is it because you think there's a gap or an underserved market? How do you decide, you know, sort of what direction to go in? I think we look at everything from like where the market is going to where, you know, where our skill set is. We're also like a bootstrap, really bootstrap company. So we don't have investors. So we try to, we try to get into things that um, don't have huge monetary barriers to entry and see how we do. And then if they're going well, then we invest more in them. So I'll take a podcast as a good example of that. That was something that, you know, we started just like a podcast with the three of us. Um, and we were, we started it stand up labs and uh, I was a comedy club in New York was like producing it for us. We would go there and record. Hi everyone. You're listening to Betch Slapped. This is our new brand new podcast by Betches. You might know us from our website, Betches.com at Betches, our Instagram. Um, and then it was, it became pretty successful. So we were like, and that was just around the time we were, we were getting our first office. We'll be talking about pop culture, um, dating advice, all, all other things sorts betchy. of shit. Yeah, all things betchy. Okay, sorry, I'll never speak like that again. Um, so we decided, okay, like podcasts seem like they're becoming a thing. We'll build out a podcast studio in our office and we can produce it ourselves. We can cut out the middleman. We don't have to give this ad revenue to someone else. We hire, we you know, invested in podcast producers, podcast equipment, um, and we really built that that whole vertical out just because like we saw where the market was going and it was just also a great fit for the kind of content that we were producing um, and really let us kind of get into the weeds of topics. So we were really excited about that. So um, that's something, again, we started like low lift, saw how it went and then really um, revved it up. And you've also got a couple of books under your belt. Yes, we've written three books. Um, so that that's been I mean, we, and we, the three of us have written the, those ourselves. I mean, we've had help from our, uh, from like our staff with like graphics and things like that and even editing or, you know, art. Um, but we wrote those ourselves. So that I think as we've gotten, as the business has grown, it's definitely been like a higher investment of our time in writing them. Like at first when we were writing the first one, we were just out of college. It was just the three of us. Now we have to, when we write them, there's like a, we have a whole business to run as well. So it becomes more challenging, but we really enjoy that because I mean, I think at our, at our core, we are writers. That's how we started though. That's definitely a passion of ours. And I love that. No offense. It's true line. Who came up with that line? <laughs> it's so hard to remember. Um, I think it was, I think it was actually from like a TV show that we like, I think it was, I, I um, don't, I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I feel like it's from like summer Heights high or something. People always go private schools create better citizens, but I would say they create better quality citizens. Studies have shown that students from private schools are more likely to get into uni and end up making a lot more money. While wife beaters and rapists are nearly all public school educated. Sorry, no offense, but it's true. 
we played it. We took a lot from like pop culture and Mean Girls and Summer Heights High, and I, a lot of just like the the cult fan movies of the time of the the movies that like we as women grew up with that we really related to, and we definitely like borrowed some phrases from there. Looking back now, I mean, you, you know, clearly you saw a gap in the market and then an opportunity, and ran through the door. What? Other great minds sort of influenced the three of you early on. You must have looked at other things and said, hey, I can borrow a little bit from that. I like this. I don't like that. Were there other businesses or other, you know, inspirational leaders who you all drew inspiration from? Um. I mean, yeah, as I've said, like the, the movie element was definitely big. We're, hu- we're hugely into pop culture. We're hugely into things that um, – really like speak to our generation. Um, but in terms of individuals, I remember at the time, like our very first batch of the week, someone who we like loved at the time was Chelsea Handler. She had her own show, I think on E at the time. 50 or 50? Oh, well, it was 50 until Sharon Osbourne actually at MTV. She said, 50, you sent. And she was someone we were like, okay, here's like a refreshing female voice, someone who like is actually like speaking to us, like we speak to each other. Because you have a son who's what, like a half a quarter or what, a quarter? 25 cents. <laughs> so he's 25 cents and yeah, you're 50. He got that little nickname. They call him Little Two Five. You're very, very cute. You Thank know you. this, right? Do you have a boyfriend? Um, who's really funny um, and who's kind of like built her like brand around that um and that was someone we always really admired you might deserve me for a couple of minutes <laughs> that's probably all it would take you know. oh. <laughs> couple of minutes. and you've also done a lot of stuff in a business that is uh halted for now but in the live events front was that a big step forward for you yeah that was a really exciting thing for us to bring like something because our company has always been like almost entirely digital. So um, it's been very cool to like see the presence at live events and to see, um, you know, the, the, the crowd that really wants to engage in real life with, with uh, our content. I mean, we've, we've done like comedy shows with mostly female comedians. um, But now we're really taking a lot of the podcasts and creating live events surrounding them. Um, So that's become really really cool and really interesting part of the business. I think it's like, it serves a unique purpose and just getting, it really helps the community aspect because I do think a lot of, um, what people like about batches is like the commiseration of the, like, Oh, I was thinking that someone else is thinking that too. And when we have a live event, it can really bring them together and kind of be in the same room and you can feel that like more intensely. How do you make that decision to go into something new, whether it's a new vertical on the site, whether it's a new event, a new partnership. Um, right. How do you, do you, do, do you all decide together? Do you, you know, three, three is a lot of people to get alignment on a hundred percent of the time. Right. Well, we try to work with before making any big decision. We want to try to work with as much information we have as we have, um, like available to us. So we look at, whenever anyone has an idea, we always look at like, how much is this going to cost? Um, is this something we can get a sponsor for? Um, what will this do for our brand? Will it, um, will it increase, you know, our people's awareness of us? Will it increase, you know, the, the feeling of legitimacy of the brand? Um, and I mean, like we do 
we there are three of us so we all we all each bring different things to like the decision making process so um you know i think it's it really like we're, we're we're all very like logical when it comes to that i don't think anyone is like ever like really upset if um an idea doesn't pan out just due to like logistics or the t- the money investment of it or other things but um we have i mean we have weekly meetings we have advisors that we ask for help we have mentors we have people who we run things by before we do anything that's like too high lift even like accounting all of that so it's all made like very strategically and talk about how this whole corona business has impacted the business traffic up traffic down um you know i know that the the politics and news hub piece of what you're doing is relatively new um but talk about how you guys have been impacted by what's happening right now um i mean in some like in terms of the content especially like our instagram content our sub which is our news and politics content and it's a newsletter and a podcast and a um instagram all doing very well um content wise like in terms of like viewership that's definitely up podcast as an industry on the whole is um uh, is actually down i think as people's um you know just like their habits change because there are no people aren't commuting so i think it it did create a sense of um kind of like a halting because as people refigured what their new normal would be their new like time they would or their new habits their new time they would listen to a podcast so that's been an interesting thing to watch although now the numbers are starting to go back up on that um and then i mean in terms of like obviously there's partners that that are not that we've had that aren't doing as well as they were um partners in the travel industry and things like that um but on the whole i mean like it's as i've said like we're like almost entirely a digital business so it's a very lucky time for us that we're that we're everyone that we have on our staff is able to work remotely and contribute remotely and like it's pretty set well set up for this kind of thing um so we're lucky in that way although obviously like just like all businesses i don't know if there's anyone who's totally exempt from um any kind of impact uh there is some but overall we're doing pretty well it seems like you have an almost unlimited opportunity to, you know, build and expand. Looking ahead, you'll be 10 in February. What's high on your list in terms of opportunities that are still in front of you? Is it geographic expansion? Is it more verticals? Is it more content creation in a different genre? You know, what are the what are you what are you all thinking about, you know, looking to, you know, let's call it Betches 2.0? Um, I think, you know, it's all of that. It's kind of like, um, as our, it's, we're lucky as our audience grows, they've kind of stood with us. So we started this as three college girls and now we're, um, we're, we're 30. Um, so it's, you know, the content that we write about, we still write for those college, for that college audience, but we also, our audience has also grown up with us. So now it's a lot of, we have Betches Brides, which is, you know, our, our wedding vertical. We, in this year we were hopeful, we do hope to start our like new mom vertical. Um, so speaking to, to that, uh, demographic of women and just sort of to expand and to grow with our audience and provide them the content in that voice that we've always had, um, for them to relate to, you know, we're always looking into new products and new verticals and just kind of to see like what's coming next. Obviously TikTok is something that, um, is getting like, is already really, really big and it's only gotten bigger with, 
pandemic and things like that. So we're really just we're just hoping to provide our audience with more content, more products that they that they need and want and relate to and that they feel connected to because it has the Betches kind of like signature uh, voice and snark to it. That's great. And your audience is, you know, clearly growing with you is sort of described as fiercely loyal, uh, which you don't see a lot Mm -hmm. these days. How are you able to capture that and work with brands in a way that doesn't compromise your integrity. That's a very tricky balance. Um, I mean, we look at we look at a lot of things. We really try to only choose choose partners that really like we feel like connect with the brand that our audience would connect to and that won't dilute the voice. I mean, obviously we work with some more conservative brands that we we're willing to be flexible in terms of like the language that we use or just how far our jokes will go, but we don't really we try not to work with any brands that we feel like we wouldn't be proud to promote or that our audience would be turned off by. And what were some of the ones, the brand partnerships that you've done over the years that you're like, that really worked great, you know, where they were happy, you were happy? Sure. Um, so we we just wrapped up a skinny pop, um, a skinny pop like campaign that we had with, um, based on our our bachelor uh, podcast called the bachelor tonight on the bachelor peter and kelly announce they're together on tiktok while america announces they'd rather have them tootsie slide out of their feet then producers announce that the bachelorette will return no matter what are we ready for a rose ceremony with personal protective gear then julia is back on her bullshit what will she do after the show and should we alert the authorities all that and more. It's our most dramatic episode ever. This is The Bachelor. Um, and that did really well. I think the brand association was really great. I think that it was a perfect fit. It was like, that's what you would eat while you watch The Bachelor. And our audience like already naturally would love that product. And so it was a great fit for us. The campaign did really, really well. Um, we made it even bigger in 2020 than it was in 2019. Um, and it was just like a great natural fit. It didn't feel forced. It felt like very organic. Do you see yourself, Jordana, becoming almost, you know, above and beyond, you know, what you're producing, almost a curator for your audience, you know, to extend beyond the content that you're producing directly, or do you want to just continue to build your own? I think it's a little bit of both. We try um, to make as much of our content um, like original as we can, especially as we've grown our, our staff and we're able to produce more in-house content. We have really funny, amazing, creative, smart people who are working for us who can create that, help us create that content. But there is definitely still an element of curation. Um, we're always looking at either books or or shows or things that we can like that we feel like our audience would connect to that we do want to share or share our opinions on, whether that's like the bachelor or, you know, a new Netflix show or anything that we feel like we can kind of like speak the truth about that is already going on out there that our audience wants our opinion on. All right. Well, this was great. Thank you very much for listening. And for more content just like this, visit AdvertisingWeek360.com. Production on this episode was by Jack Hirschman and Brendan Porter. 
and original music was by Ian Levy. 